0: They are not just targeting Manitoba, they're sort of systemically targeting Canadians across the country. It's based in the prairies, but they are working on a national level as well.
1: Hey everyone, Stephen Magusiak here, and this is Sources by Press Progress. We are a proud member of the Harbinger Media Network. This episode's all about the Manitoba election. We're at about the halfway point in the Manitoba campaign, with less than three weeks until voting day. This election will pit Heather Stephenson's PC's against Wab Canoe's NDP, and recent polls suggest the two leaders are actually about tied in popularity. This election also features the entrance of new third-party groups in Manitoba politics, which isn't surprising, right? But it turns out some of them aren't necessarily based in Manitoba. See, back in June, Manitobans received a controversial mass text message from a political group calling itself the Canada Growth Council regarding the upcoming election. The text used inflammatory rhetoric to misrepresent the Manitoba NDP's policies on harm reduction and policing. They also asked if Manitobans had received a flyer with similar messaging in the mail. So who is the Canada Growth Council, who funds them, and what do they want? We looked into it, and it turns out they're pretty sus. Today I'm joined by my colleague Emily Leedham to talk about her investigative reports into this group and their ties to Alberta and Saskatchewan Conservatives. Emily, thanks for joining.
0: Hi, thank you for having me.
1: Manitoba's having a bit of a thing coming up. So what can you tell us about the Manitoba election so far, just in very broad strokes, just to get it out of the way at the top?
0: Yeah, so the Manitoba election is happening on October 3rd. The writ was dropped just yesterday at the time of recording. But over the summer, it's been a little dramatic. (laughs) And that is thanks to the presence of a group called the Canada Growth Council, which is kind of a newcomer on the scene, the political scene in Manitoba. And we're here to talk about who they are, what they've been up to, and some of the research that I've done over the summer that explains, you know, why this group matters as Manitobans head to the polls.
1: So basically, you've reported recently on on this new yeah, third-party advertiser and it's shown up in recent years. It's a group that sent out controversial text messages, mass text messages in the early summer, correct?
0: Yes. In uh, June, it sent out a mass text message to Manitobans that was basically an attack ad against the uh, NDP, uh, making some allegations about what the NDP has claimed to do in their platform, which were you know, inaccurate and kind of used a lot of racist dog whistling basically. So that kind of upset a lot of people, but it also really shaped the way that the election, you know, pre-campaign period has mm-hmm. happened so far. And it, it sort of forced the NDP to create a response as well, because the PCs have also been kind of pushing this narrative that was very similar to what the Canada Growth Council's ads were saying as well. So that set of a bunch of red flags.
1: And it turns out this group has a lot of connections to out-of-province conservatives as well, is my understanding. So what is the Canada Growth Council, and why should Manitobans care?
0: Yeah, so here's what you need to know. The Canada Growth Council is a right-wing, pro-business, third-party advertiser founded in 2019. It has described itself as a, quote, group of motivated individuals that are simply fed up with anti-growth propaganda, foreign-funded activist groups, and the absence of strong voices that advocate on the behalf of free enterprise and prosperity in Canada. So, the Canada Growth Council is founded by people who previously worked for the right-wing Saskatchewan party, and it has been funded by business owners, oil and gas executives, and members of a far-right religious group, according to Elections Canada records. So, in 2019, the Canada Growth Council ran attack ads against Liberal candidates across Canada and in Manitoba during the 2019 federal election, This included Facebook ads, front page newspaper ads, and billboards. So they've been at this for a while. This is just the first time that they've shown up, not specifically targeting Manitobans, because they did specifically target Manitobans in the 2019 federal election. There are a lot of Facebook ads that are specifically targeted at Manitoba. But in 2023, the Canada Growth Council launched a campaign called Manitoba Watch, So it's all about Manitoba, all about the upcoming provincial election in October.
1: This is like clearly not a Manitoba group. Like we saw them targeting federal liberals specifically just all across Western Canada. It seems to be just like a movement of Western conservatives more or less. Is that accurate, do you think?
0: Well, that's how it was founded, basically. But that's the concerning part is while we do have records of who's been involved in the Canada Growth Council and who's funded them in 2019, for example. We don't know who's funding the current Manitoba Watch campaign, and we won't until after the election because that's when third-party advertisers can disclose who contributed to the campaign. So it is really concerning because they can spend all of this money doing these attack ads, and we don't fully know like who's behind them. Um, but it's really important to note that these attack ads use a lot of the similar messaging as the 2019 federal election because the 2019 federal election was all about attacking trudeau and manitoba watch campaign has been comparing the ndp leader wab canoe to justin trudeau and significantly it made baseless claims that the manitoba ndp would defund the police and they also brought up wab canoes past criminal record from over 15 years ago so these ads are using the same frankly, racist messaging that Manitoba PCs have used since Canu became leader in 2017. They're portraying him as this violent Indigenous person opposed to law and order. And after these Canada Growth Council ads ran and were texted to Manitobans, the PCs announced millions of dollars in new funding for the police. So it really drew up a lot of questions like, were they working together? Why do their messages seem to be so in sync?
1: I was going to get you to describe their agenda a little bit. Is it like a law and order kind of like talking point that they're mainly pushing right now?
0: That was the message that was uh, texted to Manitobans was around, you know, defunding the police, kind of bringing up his criminal record. But they've also run ads about a number of different kind of right wing issues. So they kind of ran the gamut, but that was the main one.
1: Do they appear to be campaigning currently for the uh, election? Have we seen signs that they're starting to mobilize again?
0: Well, we haven't seen any activity from them since June because there are a bunch of news articles that came out criticizing those attack ads. So we haven't seen much from them, but nevertheless, they have impacted the election narrative in a significant way. It allowed the PCs to basically shape the narrative for the upcoming election and it forced the NDP to respond. So 3 weeks ago, the Manitoba NDP leader Bob Canoe gave a speech where he talked openly about his past as he always has done. You know, in 2015 he wrote a memoir about his journey as an indigenous man who has struggled with systemic racism, colonization and his work to heal and improve his life and be a community leader. You know, all these things that are actually his strengths and what so many people do appreciate about him and that have helped him develop leadership skills. They're all portrayed as complete liabilities, according to these attack ads coming from the PCs and the Canada Rose Council. So in this speech, he pushed back on that. But importantly, Canu delivered a, quote, tough on crime message saying the justice system actually helped him get his life back on track. He would not be defunding the police specifically. The speech was intended to shut down that false allegation and reset the narrative like, no, I'm not going to defund the police I'm not going to be soft on crime, so the PCs will have to come up with some new material. And whatever your thoughts are on that speech and Canu's position, which not everyone is happy with, but it seems to have worked in resetting the narrative. The PCs have moved on to other issues. Maybe the election will be about something else, but we may hear more from the Canada Growth Council now that the writ is dropped. But they have been quiet since June.
1: Third-party advertisers, I mean just by nature, will typically deny any kind of direct involvement with the political parties who they're basically doing messaging fork, right? And this group actually does have some ties to Heather Stephenson's government. Can you talk a little bit about that?
0: Yeah. So when the text messages first came out, you know, a lot of people were like, this looks exactly like what the PCs have been saying for the past however many years, right? It's the same messaging, like they're most likely working together. And the PCs were like, no, there's no connection. There's no connection. But there is a connection. There is a fairly significant connection, actually, between Heather Stephenson and the Canada Growth Council. So the Canada Growth Council was founded by Derek Robinson, a former top communication staffer under the former Saskatchewan premier, Brad Wall. Robinson founded a communications firm called MASH Strategy, which worked on Stephenson's leadership campaign in 2021. So At the same time, he was still a director of the Canada Growth Council, and Robinson wasn't replaced as a director until a month before the Canada Growth Council started running attack ads in Manitoba. So we don't know Robinson's specific role in shaping those attack ads. We also don't know if MASH strategy is working for the PCs right now, but we do know that there's an established political connection between Robinson and Heather Stephenson's team.
1: I want to talk a little bit about the directors because I'm seeing some names here that, uh, yeah, again, more Saskatchewan ties. Who are some of the names who have been running in the past, currently or not?
0: Yeah, so the current board of directors for the Canada Growth Council uh, is Dale Richardson, former director of digital communications for Saskatchewan Premier Scott Moe, Derek Coles, Strategic communications for the Canadian Association of Petroleum Producers. That's the oil and gas lobby group. Interesting. Kyle Addison, chief operating officer of a Regina based company called Mitchell Developments. So that's kind of who's helming the ship right now. And they're getting a bunch of donations to run this campaign. That's what we don't know, but we do know who the current directors are. When the Canada Growth Council was founded in 2019, There was a different board of directors, but they all kind of had the same ties to the Saskatchewan Party. So Tyler Willocks, who was a top individual donor to the Saskatchewan Party in 2018. Eric Clark, a former member of the Saskatchewan Party's board of directors. And like we mentioned, Derek Robinson, former top communications staffer under Brad Wall, who then had his company work on Heather Stephenson's PC leadership campaign in 2021.
1: So who exactly is funding the Canada Growth Council that we know of?
0: So one of the biggest 2019 donors to the Canada Growth Council has deep ties to Alberta's United Conservative Party. So there's Shaping Canada's Future, another third-party advertiser donated $50,000 to the Canada Growth Council in 2019. Shaping Canada's Future was incorporated by Douglas Nelson, who is Jason Kenney's chief financial officer during his 2017 UCP leadership campaign. And its board includes Brad Tennant, who is a former executive director of the UCP, as well as Peter Kiss, an Alberta businessman. You know, just all of these connections to the United Conservative Party. Energy industry CEO and Saskatchewan party donor Craig Lothian was also among the top individual donors to the Canada Growth Council in 2019, along with other wealthy Saskatchewan business people. Another group, there is 13 members of the Plymouth Brethren Christian Church. They donated nearly $40,000 to the Canada Growth Council in 2019. These donations came from Brethren members across Canada, but they were all made within 48 hours, according to the records. So I've done quite a bit of research about the Plymouth Brethren Christian Church. They do have a significant presence in Manitoba. We do not know if they have been donating to this current campaign. But we do know that they have a lot of money and they historically have used that money to fund political activity. So it's a fair question for sure.
1: Can you tell us a little bit about what we know about the Plymouth Brethren Christian Church? How did they come on our radar to begin with and where do they fit in?
0: Yeah, so the Plymouth Brethren Christian Church keeps a low profile. They're not your average evangelical church, although they say that they are. So the Plymouth Brethren Christian Church, also known as the, quote, exclusive brethren, is a religious sect with only about 50,000 members around the world, particularly in the UK, Australia, and New Zealand. In Canada, the brethren are believed to have fewer than 10,000 members. City News and Winnipeg Free Press have done investigations into the group where ex-members allege that the church separates members from their families if they fall out of favor with the church. So people who are ostracized say they've lost everything, their families, their social supports, their financial security. And the last one is pretty key because business is a key element of the Plymouth Brethren Christian Church's member networks. Many members run small businesses around the world, which essentially form a global supply chain. So during the COVID-19 pandemic, many businesses run by Brethren members in Manitoba, Ontario, and around the world, really, have been able to obtain millions and even billions in COVID-19 emergency government contracts for personal protective equipment. In Manitoba, Brethren-run businesses obtained over $12 million in COVID PPE contracts. So Brethren members have a lot of money. They also have a lot of property and a history of funding third-party advertising campaigns around the world, like in New Zealand. Ex-members have told us that Brethren-run businesses use the money generated by their businesses to fund the political activity like we said before some of this other political activity in canada includes the campaign against gay marriage in 2005 and just a few years ago they tried to get lgbtq content censored from tours of the human rights museum in winnipeg they run their own private schools they brought their students there and they requested That content be censored. So they're still very much active, and they're still very much interested in some of the same ideas that they always have been.
1: So basically, the brethren, like the way I would describe them, is there aren't that many of them in Canada. They are remarkably successful small business owners. The Plymouth Brethren Church denies political activity and just sort of disavows anything. Just saying, being like, we don't control what our members do, but their members do seem to be pretty generous when it comes to donating to right-wing political causes in Canada and across the Commonwealth essentially is that more or less correct
0: Yeah exactly so the key thing is that the brethren church denies a lot of these allegations they deny that they you know separate their family members they deny that they coordinate any kind of political activity they say if their members do anything political It's their business, not ours, because we're just like a regular church and, you know, we don't control our members' political activity. But ex-members say that is otherwise, that the activity is controlled, specifically by the leader, Bruce Hales, who lives in Australia. And a lot of the public records that we found suggest a high level of coordination and relationships among brethren members and how they run their businesses around the world, more or less. And I mean, I could get all into it, but you can read the investigation that I did this summer called Merchants in the Temple. It's a three-part series. It really gets into a lot of how this group operates, a lot of information that is previously not been known in Canada. There's a lot of reporting on this group in Australia, in New Zealand, in the UK. A lot more people know about them. But in Canada, there's still... Not a lot of information about them, but a lot of it's just coming to the surface now. And like I said, it matters because the Winnipeg Free Press in 2014 did a big investigation into the Brethren because there's a big community of Brethren members in Stonewall, Manitoba, which is a city just outside of Winnipeg. They own at least half of the industrial park in Stonewall. They have a charity arm called the Rapid Relief Team, and they've partnered with police on charitable initiatives across the country. So they really do know how to make connections and they're worth paying attention to.
1: As your work has shown, they're not insignificant funders to the Canada growth council, like individual members donating in. What is it? The tens of thousands in some cases, or just even like 5,000.
0: I don't have the numbers on me specifically, but yeah, 13 members totaling almost 40,000. So yeah, there's definitely several members who've donated multiples of thousands of dollars, you know, not insignificant donations coming from these members. And that is in a large part because these members do run successful small businesses who have got public government contracts among you know other business activity that they do. They just bring in a lot of income and they have money to spend.
1: So basically what we're dealing with is a network that I would say goes well beyond the borders of Manitoba, but is sort of posing as a manitoba group like a grassroots sort of group is that fair to say like to what extent would they present themselves to the world as a group of concerned manitobans because it doesn't sound like that's what they are
0: yeah there's really not a lot of information uh, about them specifically there's a canada growth council website which just says like submit your email to find out more about the manitoba watch campaign and then there's a manitoba watch campaign facebook page other than that there's not a lot of information. So I wouldn't say they're even trying to pretend to be something they're not. They're just not really giving any information whatsoever. And that's why a lot of people were concerned because, you know, people have called them shadowy because it's like you're coming in, you're obviously dropping a lot of money on these ads, and we don't really have any idea who you are.
1: Billboards are pricey and correct me if I'm wrong, they don't get back to you for comment anytime you reach out, right?
0: No, we've uh, reached out to them multiple times to, you know, ask them to confirm information, to ask them to share more information about their campaign, about who funds them, about their connections to the PC party. And we've reached out for comment to the PC party itself, to Heather Stephenson, the Plymouth Brethren Christian Church, the members, You know, we've really done our due diligence to allow these people the chance to explain themselves, and they don't. So it is concerning, like, third party advertising is not unusual or illegal in election periods. That's the thing, right? Many unions are also registered as third party advertisers to draw attention to workers' issues during the election, for example. But we know who they are right? If QP registers as a third-party advertiser, we know where the money is coming from. It's coming from its members. So the issue with the Canada Growth Council is that we don't know who is funding their current campaign in Manitoba, but we do know a lot about their previous sources of funding and their political ties. So we kind of have to infer based on that. It is really concerning because as the writ has dropped, basically the regulation changes so that they are able to spend a new chunk of money. Like they can spend a certain amount of money before the election and then they can spend a certain amount of money during the election. So we don't know if we'll see any more from them in the next month, basically. But it's really worth talking about so that if people get any more text messages, mailers, if they see ads, people need to have a conversation about who this group is. And that's why we, you know, wrote these articles for people to sort of share and make sure like, you know who is trying to sway your vote In this election, who's spending money to try to get you to vote a certain way? So that's basically why we've done so much research about the Canada Growth Council, because, yeah, like I said, they've been around for a while. I've reported on them even before they showed up in Manitoba, because I also covered Saskatchewan. So we're well familiar with this group. We just hope that Manitobans become more familiar as well.
1: What should Manitobans keep in mind for the upcoming election on October 3rd? Like what narratives are we going to be seeing coming from this group and other kind of conservative interests and third party advertisers? Like what's going to come out of the woodwork that we should be ready for?
0: Well, again, we don't know specifically what they have planned, but they've mirrored, you know, a lot of PC messaging. We know that there is that political connection between Heather Stephenson and the founder of the Canada Growth Council. So we don't know what to expect Specifically, and that's a problem. But we just need to be aware that there is this group that is active. They have money. They have an agenda. And people can go to our website, pressprogress.ca, and find our articles about the Canada Growth Council. And you know, you can share them online or share them with friends and family members or co-workers if the subject comes up like, hey, I got another text message or what's that big billboard about? We have that information.
1: And just to reiterate, they have ties to both Jason Kenney's UCP in Alberta, as well as Brad Wall and Scott Moe from Saskatchewan, and their funding is pretty opaque.
0: And Derek Robinson's you know, communications firm, MASH Strategy, which worked on Heather Stephenson's um, PC leadership campaign, has also worked for Pierre Polyev. So it goes all the way up. This network is kind of across Canada. So that's also concerning as well. They are not just targeting Manitoba. They're sort of systemically targeting Canadians across the country. It's based in the prairies, but they are working on a national level as well.
1: They're part of a national level project, a highly coordinated one with ties to oil and gas, uh, religious groups, you name it.
0: Yeah, exactly. So, you know, After the Manitoba election, there is a Saskatchewan election coming up next year, so will we see them show up there, you know, will we see them show up in the next federal election? How long is this group going to be around, and what kind of information specifically will they be able to gather as they work on these campaigns and use to apply to campaigns in the future? Because they're fairly slick, and they might only get more slick from here as they figure out what they can and cannot get away with. So it's definitely not an isolated concern. It's something that all Canadians should be aware of.
1: So any closing thoughts on the Manitoba election?
0: Another important thing to note is that Heather Stephenson is not popular. She hasn't been popular in a lot of the you know, opinion polls. She's routinely at the bottom of the list of like most popular premiers in Canada. It's kind of followed the trend of when his popularity just completely tanked, his approval ratings tanked during the pandemic and after he was forced to resign. So it's been Stephenson's job to basically rehabilitate the Manitoba PCs because there were some polls that also came out that were like, oh, if the election were to happen now, the NDP would win right? So the Manitoba PCs have been in hot water. And so it is interesting that we are seeing this group come in almost like reinforcement to help them secure this election. It's going to be a tough run for them. It's not guaranteed that they're going to win again. I will be following the Manitoba election as I have so far, you know, been reporting on the Canada Growth Council, etc. over the summer that will continue throughout the election. So you can sign up for our newsletter and get the latest articles relevant to Manitoba if you'd like. And we'll put that link in the show notes.
1: Absolutely. Thank you, Emily.
0: Thanks again, Stephen.
1: That was Press Progress reporter Emily Ledham. Sources is edited by Eric Wickham. If you like what we do, check us out at pressprogress.ca. Be sure to subscribe. For the latest labor news, check us out at pressprogress.ca slash shiftwork. I was your host, Stephen Magusiak. Thanks for tuning in.